I really want to speak this morning just a little bit about the presence of God. I believe that you know, we're on this season of grow, growing strong in God. I believe that if we're to grow strong in God, we have to become a people that pursue the presence of God with the highest value. You know, Moses was a, a very reluctant leader. God had to do a lot of convincing, convincing to get him to do the thing that he was asking him to do. But eventually Moses went into the, the Egyptian camp and he called all the slaves and he got them out of slavery and he took them across the sea and into the desert and towards the promised land. And at every step, the presence of God told him when to, to move, told him when to stay. He was so reliant on the presence of God that when he tapped his stick on the rock, water came out. And then God said to Moses, I want you to make a tent where the presence of God can reside and people can come and meet with me. And it says that Moses went into the tent and he met with God face to face. I love that. He met with God face to face and as he was in the tent, there was a cloud of smoke outside the tent and all the people would stand at their tents just waiting to see what God would say. Waiting to see if they would get fed this week or something. And it says that um, in, in that verse that when Moses left the tent, Joshua would remain in the tent in the presence of God. And, and I don't want to go too far down here, but I think there's a real key in that for this season. You know, this is a time when we need to know more than ever what heaven's perspective is for our situation. And Joshua was one of the only spies that went into the promised land that brought back a heavenly rapport. And I think there's a key in this, that Joshua spent so much time in the presence of God that he received a different perspective from other people. And I think that's crucial for us, that if we're to have heaven's perspective, the only way we get there is by spending time in his presence. Um, it's a time now more than ever with all that's going on in our world that we need to have heaven's perspective. Um, I wanna read a verse on the journey of Exodus, in, in Exodus 33. You can go there. If you have a Bible, if you have the Bible app, any other way. Exodus 33, you may know it. Exodus 33, verse 12 says this. Moses is kind of grumbling to God. Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that these are your people. Love that. The Lord replied, not totally answering his question, but he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. I love that wherever God's presence is, there's rest. Isn't that cool? Then Moses said to him, put it this way, God, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us from here. Because how will anyone know that you are pleased with me and your people unless you go with us? I want you to pay attention to this next part. What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? Moses is crying out to God, God, your presence is what makes us, us. Your presence is what makes us the people of God. 
Your presence is our distinguishing factor. And if your presence doesn't come with us, then I don't want to go. And I found myself reading this, this portion of scripture and crying out the same to God. God, I want your presence to be my distinguishing factor. I don't want to rely on a good gift, on a good talent. I don't want to rely on being a good communicator or a good preacher. That stuff is great. But God, I want your presence to be my distinguishing factor. You know, we talk about Peter and, and we relate to him because he said some stupid things and he doubted himself quite a lot. But the Peter that was with Jesus is very different to the Peter after Pentecost. The Peter after Pentecost, when he received Jesus through the Holy Spirit, that Peter, wherever he went, stuff just happened. He was walking along the street and someone just got healed by a shadow. He was walking to the temple to pray and a man who was sat there for 30 years waiting for a miracle, one day he asked Peter, have you got some money to give me? And Peter said, I don't have money, but what I do have is Jesus, get up and walk. And that man walked for the first time in, in 30 years. God, I want your presence to be my distinguishing factor. No, I've just, I just realized in my own life that it's just possible to do all the right stuff. It's possible to show up to church, it's possible to lift your hands, it's possible to speak to the right people, and it grieves me because it's possible to do it all, but miss it completely. You know, in John 5, Jesus confronts the Pharisees, these people that were schooled, that knew the stuff. He confronts them. You know, the Pharisees had scriptures actually embroidered into their robes. Yet when the Messiah was stood before them, they couldn't see him. He confronts the Pharisees and he says, you diligently study the scriptures. You know them back to front. Yet you fail to see this very important thing that is only coming to me, Jesus, that will bring you life. It's possible to even read this book but miss it. That it's all about Jesus. It all points to him. If we read this book but don't arrive at Jesus, then we've missed it. Jesus was walking along after he was resurrected and these men are talking about the scriptures and all this stuff and Jesus just listens. And he says at the end, don't you realize that all these scriptures are talking about me? That it's all pointing to Jesus. Um, this morning, I, I just really feel, you know, as, as it was raining this morning, I just felt like God said, you know, there's refreshing for people. There's refreshing for people that feel dry. And when we refocus ourselves and we simplify it, you know, church can get so complicated and so political, but when we simplify it and we fix our eyes on Jesus, something happens that it's like our souls get drawn back to that place of refreshing, that place like David said, where, where his heart is by the still waters. So if you need refreshing this morning, it's coming. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's coming. In John 1, it says, 
that the Word became flesh, that Jesus is the Word. And everything that you see and everything that exists came through him. Without him, there would be nothing. And it says that Jesus is true life. Some of you are thinking, is this your only point? (laughs) It is. Jesus is everything. He is everything. He's amazing. He's amazing. And we make it all about him. It does something to us. You know, Colossians says that, that we died and now our life is hidden inside of Jesus. If you want to see who you are, then just look at Jesus. If you want to find out who God made you to be, then just look at Jesus. No. Martha wasn't bad. Martha wasn't a bad person. She was in the kitchen cooking for Jesus. She was doing stuff for God. She was baking something awesome. I've been to Israel and the food's amazing. She was cooking for Jesus. She wasn't doing something bad. She just missed the moment that Jesus was in the room. And I find myself in a similar position, even recently starting this job as a youth pastor and being in ministry and doing the stuff, doing important stuff. And, And to be honest, I find myself in this position where it's so easy to do stuff for Jesus, but miss the moment when he's in the room, but miss the, I just need to be still and appreciate that Jesus is here. I'm sorry if this is a bit backwards and forwards and it's just what I've got. It's just what I'm, I'm hungry for. There's a hunger in my heart that says there has to be more than a powerless gospel. There has to be more than just doing stuff. There has to be something. You know, in the, in the, in the scriptures, Jesus confronts the Pharisees again and he says, you're ready to kill me. Not because of any other reason but that there's no room for you for my word. There's no room in you for me to enter in. There's no space. So often we we fill our lives with all this stuff, but there's no space for Jesus to walk in the room. The presence of God isn't a, a mystical, weird thing. The presence of God is a person, and his name is Jesus. You know, if um if the Queen of England were to write a letter to Dan Reynolds which she could. And it was to come to Logan Avenue with a, with a royal stamp on it, and Dan was to open it, and it was to say, Her Majesty requests the presence of Dan Reynolds at her palace, Buckingham Palace, on, on November the 1st. You're there, you're there then, aren't you? She <laughs> can't go. He wouldn't say that, he would be there. You'll be there, Dan. You'll be there. But listen, what the queen is wanting when she asks for the presence of Dan Reynolds, she's, she wouldn't be satisfied if Dan sent his son Isaac with, with some good information about Dan, maybe some stuff that he's done, maybe, maybe some facts about Dan. She wouldn't be satisfied with an idea about Dan. She wouldn't be satisfied with a thought about Dan. What the queen of England is asking for 
is that Dan himself would walk through the palace doors and sit at his seat and his presence would be there. And that's what we're asking for when we ask and we pray and we sing these songs that the presence of God would come into the room and would be here. We're asking that Jesus would pop open those doors and would make himself known in the room, would be here, right here. Not an idea, not a thought, not some facts and information, but he, the person, Jesus, would be in the room. Are you hungry for that? Are you hungry? Yeah? Come on. I just want to invite the worship team up if that's cool. I just want to create a moment now for us just to create space so that Jesus can come and invade. You know, Gideon, it says that when Gideon was going off, that God came on to, to Gideon, and actually it says that God put Gideon on, that God wrapped himself in Gideon. Isn't that awesome? That God so possessed Gideon it's like he put Gideon on like a glove. And that's what God wants to do with us. God wants us to be so Jesus obsessed that he puts us on like a glove and we're just so surrendered to him that we just, our lives just look like that. Wherever we go, things just happen because Jesus is the theme of our lives, right? Why don't you just stand up a second? I just want you to close your eyes. I just want you to begin to engage with the presence of God. To begin to to confess your hunger. If you don't have hunger, then you can ask. It says you can ask for hunger. It's a gift. Some people have a physical hunger gift. I've met a few out here. (laughs) But spiritual hunger is also a gift and you can ask for it. This might be awkward for you, this might be different for you. But I think God's looking for a people that will so deliberately and intentionally push aside other agendas, push aside other stuff, questions, needs, and just make space for Jesus to come into the room. Like Mary, she just appreciated that Jesus was in the room. Thanks, man. So why don't you just lift your voice even before the band sing anything and just begin to tell Jesus that you're here for him. Even if, if, if that's all you've got, just tell him you're here for him. Just begin to tell him that you want him, that you want his presence, that you want his presence to be your distinguishing factor. presence of God is going to begin to come and touch people and some of you are going to feel like it's raining like literally you're being rained on like physical rain is just trickling down you there's a refreshing for people there's someone in here that has um, a crippling backache and that's going to go in Jesus name you're just going to straighten up and it's going to be gone if that's you just feel led and God begins to stir you, I want to encourage you to come to the front just as an act of, of I want more of God. Don't come if, you're, if you don't want that. Don't come if he's not. 
pushing you to do that. But just start to come forward if you feel that hunger, that I want to have more of God, that I want to have his presence. Jesus says in John 6, numerous times, because they're just not getting it. Numerous times, three times. He says, I am the bread of life. Come to me. Come to me. Come to me, Jesus, the person for life. Stop going to all these other places. Stop going to all these other things. Stop going to religion and, and, and tradition. Stop going to career. Stop going to money. Come to me, Jesus, and I will give you life. I will give you life. I will give you rest. I will give you refreshment. It's me, Jesus. I am the only one that can satisfy your souls. Come to me. Come to me. Come to me. Come to me, Jesus. I have everything that you need this morning. I have everything that you need this morning. Everything. Everything that you need this morning. the front and I just want you to posture your hands in, in a way that you can just receive and, and I, I do want you just to begin to lift your voices just begin to lift your voices in an act of hunger in, in, in like the word that was brought earlier in, in a stirring in, in, a, in a dissatisfaction in a refusal to get comfortable with Sunday church this act of God I am here for you and I want more of you this morning I want your presence this morning God I want you to be the distinguishing factor of my family of my workplace of my job God I want your presence come on lift your voice sing a song and I just want you to do it again and just make it all about Jesus you know when Jesus is in the room everything else becomes irrelevant everything else becomes irrelevant the thing that you're worrying about next week going back to school the needs that you have it all becomes irrelevant when Jesus is in the room Jesus we love you we love your presence we love who you are 